0: Welcome to episode 212 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about conversations with today's liberals. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and see discussions going on about inflation, the destructive nature of Biden's policies, the changing of the definition of words, the COVID vaccine or the Second Amendment, please share the truth Quest podcast with your friend. Tell them to browse the episode titles and dive into whatever topics might pique their interest. Episodes are available on a host of platforms including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash Podcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and give it a 5-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the Truth Quest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com/truthquestpodcast. forward slash Today's liberals are polar opposites of classic liberals who were advocates for private property, the free market economy, the rule of law, constitutional guarantees of freedom of religion, speech, and of the press, and international peace based on free trade. Many of today's liberals will tell you they are for all or some of those things, but if you dig just a little, turns out not so much. The truth is, they are for some private property, within limits. Free markets are okay, but you know, unfettered competition leads to monopolies and inequities. The rule of law, well, of course they're for that. Until you bring up Trump or Hillary or Jeffrey Epstein or Bill Clinton or Peter Struck Stroke or Lois Lerner or Eric Holder. Their standards vary depending on who the suspect is, which makes the rule of law a rule of law. They refuse to condemn the dual justice system currently in place in the United States. You know, the one for well-connected Democrats and the other for everyone else. The Constitution is a big problem for today's liberals because it limits the power of their little g-god, government. Religion, speech, and press? Oh yeah, that's all well and good until the federal government gets in bed with big tech and censors speech on certain social media and press outlets. Today's liberals remain mute when they see this type of shit going on. I have often noted the similarities between the experience that some Christian apologetic speakers have with belligerent or headstrong atheists and the experience conservatives or libertarian speakers have with similarly situated liberals. There are millions of atheists and liberals who live their lives without a care in the world. They do not go looking for trouble, so to speak. They avoid confrontations and conversations with people who may think differently than them for any number of reasons. Maybe they're just disinterested. They are from the live-and-let-live camp. They don't shove their worldview down their friends' throats, and their friends offer them the same courtesy. But then you have what I call the militant atheist or liberal who are, shall we say, looking for trouble. Now, that may be an exaggeration. They may not be looking for a verbal fight, but they are looking for opportunities to engage the opposition. Some of it may be because they are intellectually curious. Maybe they are on their own truth quest. Others are simply out to poke at and make fun of people who think differently than them. I've had my share of verbal joustings, mainly on Facebook, with folks who think differently than me. I actually invite the dialogue on a daily basis with my posts and, of course, with my podcast. Unfortunately, I don't have too many takers. Disappointingly, I am rarely challenged for my very open and often in-your-face opinions. I say disappointedly because I crave the dialogue the back and forth, because I want to see if my views stand up to scrutiny. But there have been enough personal exchanges over the years, in addition to the hundreds I have witnessed on TV or on podcasts, that I think I have been able to develop a fairly comprehensive and accurate psychological profile of today's liberals. In this episode, I will unpack that profile. There are two specific encounters that I have had over the last few years, and I'm going to recount here, and piece together a very unscientific psych profile. I will call them Subject 1 and Subject 2. Subject 1, this is what I would call the Rachel Maddow liberal, or a militant liberal. The interaction I had with this person was a post on my Facebook page about the raid on Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago. I would describe Subject 1 as a Trump-hating shit-talker. He posted almost on a daily basis from the day Trump came down the escalator to the day he left office, and he even pokes fun on him afterwards. But he has remained stone cold silent throughout the disastrous Biden presidency. His posts were never thought provoking, mostly talking points he heard on CNN or MSNBC. So, of course, when he saw my post about Trump, he decided to come out of semi retirement and jumpstart his shit talking career. His response was just like all of his others shallow, regurgitated talking points from his favorite alphabet suit conspiracy media outlets. He basically trashed Trump, really not saying anything of substance, while basically taking a victory lap over his misfortune and the terrorism by federal law enforcement. He then shifted to calling him all the names that we're all used to hearing misogynist, racist, homophobe, bigot, etc. He called him corrupt and asked if he was an example of a moral leader. His next move was one that he thought was very clever. He anticipated my obvious comeback and decided he would preempt it with this gem. He said something like, I'm sure you will try to come back with finger pointing at Hillary, Hunter, and Joe, but they are not the same thing. Today's militant liberals tend to be so arrogant in their beliefs and intellectually simplistic. This particular guy thought that by mentioning the crimes of his side before I do, Would make them go away. These types of liberals are playing Candyland while their opponents are playing chess. All he proved here was that he's fully aware of his team's illegalities and he doesn't give a shit. But boy oh boy, they sure do get outraged over Trump. So I decided to answer him directly. As you will see, a common theme among today's liberals is when challenged, they revert back into their shell like a turtle. They go back to their ideological bubble where everything they hear reinforces their worldview. It's too dangerous out in the real world where people challenge you and think for themselves. So I responded, no, Trump is not an example of a good moral leader, but yes, he is an example of a leader willing to stand up to the corrupt establishment that has run DC into the ground for the last 75 to 100 years. I then went on to ask him a few of my own questions. First, I stated that when he points out moral misgivings, corruption in D.C., I said something like, you seem to be describing most political leaders in D.C. I named names like McConnell, Pelosi, McCarthy, Schiff, Schumer, Cheney, etc. And I said to him, aren't they all crooks? Then I asked him to address Hillary, Hunter, and Joe's obvious corruption and moral misgivings. And for good measure, I threw in Bill's attention to the 22-year-old intern and his Jeffrey Epstein plane rides and his visitations to his pedophilia island. I mean, if we're talking about corruption and moral lacking, who better to demonstrate it than Bill and Hillary? What was his response? There wasn't one. Today's liberals walk away from most verbal altercations, especially when faced with a few well-directed questions. Militant liberals like Subject 1 are bullies, or in this instance, extremists, that is, in his views. Most bullies are easily repelled by someone simply standing up to them, as are extremists. Violent extremists can only be stopped by violence. Political or ideological extremists like Subject 1 can only be stopped by making them look in the mirror, ask them questions, a few direct questions. But never expect a response. If you get one... It is usually an intellectually lazy name-calling session void of any substance because their worldview is indefensible. If their views weren't so dangerous and damaging, I might feel sorry for them. But I think the better path may be the proverbial slap some sense into them. Let's turn our attention to subject two. I will call them the NPR liberal. These folks tend to be generally curious about what the other side of the ideological spectrum thinks. They have lots of friends who don't think like them. Whereas Subject 1 would rather be caught dead being friendly with a conservative or a libertarian, Subject 2 is very comfortable with them. Subject 2's curiosity takes them to the edge of hearing the other side, but they really never cross the line. They may attempt to engage in a debate or a conversation, but when their worldview is challenged in an intellectually honest manner, they start shutting down slowly because in their heart, they know there is some truth to what they are hearing. They nonetheless cannot bring themselves to accept it, so they employ a slightly different tactic than the militant liberal to deflect the criticism. Instead of going radio silent and immediately withdrawing into their turtle shell, subject to, the NPR liberal will employ a less obvious tactic, like discrediting the sources used to rebut their worldview. You see, to them, if it's not discussed on NPR, CNN, MSNBC, or the pages of the New York Times, Whatever's being said can't possibly be true. I once had an email exchange with someone in this camp. He started the conversation, believe it or not. He started out by asking me questions about the election of 2020 because he knew I thought the election was stolen from Trump in the corrupt battleground states of Nevada, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. I spent time thoughtfully answering his questions, even pointing him to a couple of my podcast episodes on the topic, as well as a few articles backing up my contentions. But rather than address my arguments and the evidence I laid out, he attacked and critiqued one of my sources. I think it was the Gateway Pundit. He spent several paragraphs quoting headlines he read on the site that day. He said something like, I heard this was a conspiracy site. So what the hell am I supposed to do with that? Here I am, all excited. I finally have somebody, self-professed liberal, on the line. The hook is set. He is engaging me. And I get this kind of bullshit. Did he read any of the articles with the conspiratorial headlines and refute what was said? Did he refute any of the points or evidence I presented in my podcast episodes? Absolutely not. It's almost like when these people get too close to the truth, or at least when they get too close to something that might undermine their worldview, they shrink. They are afraid they will shrivel up and die or something. It's crazy. I'm picturing the Wicked Witch of the West from The Wizard of Oz if a little bit of truth gets sprinkled on them, they will melt. Or maybe I should just stick with the turtle analogy. When faced with an opposing opinion, they shrink into their shell, go back to their bubble, and avoid being exposed to anything that is counter to their worldview. I have had another similar encounter with one of today's liberals who fall into the subject two category. This one was very brief, but very telling, and I learned a lot. I believe it was during the summer of 2021. We were discussing COVID, of course. What else would you talk about back then? I mentioned what a corrupt liar Dr. Anthony the felon Fauci was. I may have even said he should be in prison for crimes against humanity. I went on a rant about how he had been caught lying at least a half a dozen times at that point. My subject clearly had never heard anything like this before. I'm sure this person thought I was crazy, but their retort was, Well, I like Fauci. I then continued my rant saying something like, Are you unaware of his lying about masks, the vaccine, lockdown, school closures? Subject two literally backpedaled to their car. Granted, they were leaving already, but literally backpedaled and said, well, okay, then I guess we'll leave that discussion. Completely avoiding having to address the question. This is a perfect metaphor of what we are dealing with here. Do you see the difference between the two subjects? Subject one would never have been caught dead with someone like me, and if they were, and a conversation like that had occurred, they would have simply resorted to name-calling and the usual conspiracy theory catcalls. Subject number two is not militant. Therefore, they simply walk away from their crazy friend without a confrontation. But the point is neither of them engage in a dialogue, debate, or discussion. They are more comfortable living in ignorance than to have their worldview challenged. Just picture our two subjects with their hands over their ears and their mouths and eyes closed. That's how they both react to evidence that may upset their ideological apple cart. So what do you think? Do my two subjects sound like any of your family or friends? Do you know people like Subject 1, the militant liberal? They are ill-informed. They are arrogant, conceited, and angry. They're filled with hate. Their ire is largely aimed at Trump, but they also think people who do not agree with them are bad people. They are like a cousin-in-law of mine who called my wife and I Nazis on Facebook because we were privileged enough to see Melania Trump give a speech the day before the election in 2020. Just by being there, we were Nazis. As I've said, the militant liberal thinks people who disagree with them are bad people. That is their foundational belief. That is their starting line. So when subject one sees me question the raid on Trump's home, he sees Trump, who is bad. He sees me as bad for not hating Trump like he does. He hates me because I challenge his worldview. Well, what about subject two? Do you know a few of them? While sharing many of the same ideological beliefs as subject one, subject two is not militant or angry or even hateful, but they are equally ill-informed and only slightly curious about what the other side has to say about an issue. He will simply make a precursory attempt to listen, but ultimately, when their worldview is challenged through simple questions, they clam up and go away. Here is what I have found today's liberals have in common with each other, these two subjects. First, neither of them are interested in a debate. You can clearly see how they both retreated to their shells or their bubbles when faced with questions. Today's liberals tend to be either apathetic or weak-minded, if that's even a word. The point is, this makes them susceptible to lies, propaganda, and talking points. Couple that with their deference to authority, and you have a recipe for disaster— You will hear conservative commentators call them sheep or sheeple. They are sheep looking for a shepherd. The government is the ultimate shepherd for today's liberals as they swallow everything that comes from it, hook, line, and sinker. Well, that is, as long as it's run by Democrats. They express no suspicion of the motives of the government because they prefer to be told what to do. However, if Republicans are in power, they suddenly start reading the Constitution, talking about nullification and impeachment, killing the filibuster, the Electoral College, and any other historical norm designed to slow the destruction of the country. Most recently, this was on full display as Trump nominated three new associate justices to the Supreme Court. How did today's liberals respond? Cries of "pack the court, of course. Another glaring example is all things COVID. Think about it. When the vaccine was under development while Trump was in office, prominent Democrats took to their microphones and cast doubt on the Trump vaccine. But the minute they were installed, they mandated that everyone take the vaccine or lose their jobs, get kicked out of school, or removed from normal society. And what did today's liberals say? Not a damn thing. Because their team is in power, and their team is their little G-God they literally marinate news sources that lie to them on a loop. Because they are weak-minded, this marinade of lies and propaganda essentially brainwashes them. You may have heard the term mass psychosis pop up during all of the COVID hysteria. That's the subject of episode 180 if you're interested. Well, this is where this comes in. The fear porn eventually gets to those who are incapable or unwilling to think critically or to seek diversified sources of media to replace the alphabet soup conspiracy media. This explains why when they start jousting with someone like me, who tends to ask a lot of questions, trying to draw them out, they ultimately go silent. Today's liberals tend to be blinded by party. They are cheerleaders for their team, which happens to be the doomsday cult formerly known as the Democratic Party. Regardless of how much evidence you place in front of them, in the eyes of today's liberals, the Dems do no harm, even when the harm is very obvious. We've had 18 members of Trump's administration and or advisors had their homes raided by the FBI. That fact will lead to cheers from subject number one and a milquetoast non-response probably from subject number two. It'll be something like, well, I'm sure we'll see as the justice system works through the process. Similar reactions to the January 6th trespassers. Subject 1 would say something like, the insurrectionists get what they deserve. Subject 2 would say something like, just let the process play out. But it's been 19 months and these people are still rotting in a D.C. jail for trespassing. You would get no response from either of them. What about the clear violation of the Fourth Amendment? Both Subject 1 and 2 would remain mute because there is no response. Similarly, when you point out the billions of dollars of damage, murder, maiming, and mayhem perpetrated by BLM and Antifa in their summer of rage in 2020, and you compare that to the January 6th trespassing event, today's liberals got nothing to say. They know those perpetrators are left-wing wackos, and yet they refuse to condemn their actions because their actions helped their little G-god, the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party. Doesn't matter if the economy is falling apart. It doesn't matter if we printed $4 trillion in the matter of two years. Doesn't matter if 13 Marines were blown up outside the Kabul airport and tens of thousands of Americans and American sympathizers were left behind when we abandoned the country of Afghanistan under cover of darkness. It doesn't matter that we gave the Taliban tens of billions of dollars worth of military equipment in order for them to threaten a nuclear armed Pakistan. Doesn't matter if the border is wide open. Does not matter that the president and the vice president go on TV on the same day and say inflation is zero, when in reality it's closer to 20%? It doesn't matter that they spend four years calling into question Trump's mental faculties when the current president clearly has dementia. Does not matter that they spent four years spreading a lie that Trump was in bed with Russia when there is ample evidence that both Joe and Hunter are not only in bed with Russia, but with China as well? Many of today's liberals agree with the authoritarian censorship machine. Asked if Trump's ban from Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram were justified, Subject 1 would say, hell yeah, he should be in prison. If you ask him what crime did he commit, he would shrink back into his proverbial turtle shell for protection from critical thinking. Subject 2's response to that question would likely be, No, I don't think he should be banned because I like seeing his, shall we say, less than intelligent rants. But if I were to ask him if he ever spoke out against the ban, even on his social media platforms, the answer would be, of course, no, because it benefits his team if Trump is silenced. His little G-God benefits. I wish more of today's liberals would put big G-God first. The country would be a lot better off. In other words, they do not look at people as having the image of God and worthy of respect if they think differently than them at least in the case of Subject 1. People who believe in Big G God don't act like militant liberals. People who act like that worship a bunch of little G gods, and if you try to tear down one of them by asking questions or asking them to explain why they believe in those little G gods, you will see and feel their ire until you make them shrink back into their protective shell. At the end of the day, today's liberals are not really interested in the truth. What they are really after is affirmation of their beliefs. I think it's called confirmation bias. Today's liberals also demonstrate and display a superiority complex over their ideological foes. It's more noticeable in the militant liberals than with the NPR liberals, but it's there nonetheless. They believe that their worldview is superior. They believe that they are morally superior. Rather than engage with someone who thinks differently than them, they look down on them. They are beneath me. Why should I consider having a conversation? Today's liberals tend to be sheep, as we've mentioned. It's almost as if it's easier for someone to tell them what to do and what to think than to make up their own minds and do their own research. They avoid news sources that may offer a different perspective on the issues of the day. They will tell you that Fox News is a conservative platform and produces lots of misinformation, because that's what they hear on their Alphabet Soup conspiracy media outlets. They have never heard of Zero Hedge, or Substack, or Rockwell.com or the Gateway Pundit, Conservative Treehouse, Glenn Greenwald, The Daily Wire, Breitbart, or the Children's Health Defense, or America's Frontline Doctors. If they are aware of any of these, they discount them as conspiracy sites, and like Fox, purveyors of myths and disinformation. Therefore, they must avoid hearing what they have to say. Again, it's the Wicked Witch of the West issue. I may melt. Coming off this point, it is not surprising that today's liberals are some of the most ill-informed people on the planet. As a group, they are not intellectually curious. Despite all of that, the militant liberals strut around with their chests puffed up, often confidently opining on issues and outwardly demonstrating for the world just how ignorant they are. It's quite amusing. Today's liberals have little g-gods that they worship, and if you speak ill or try to tear down one of their gods, you are treated as a blasphemer. They worship government when it's run by the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party. They worship the environment and saving the planet from human beings. They worship murdering babies in the womb. They worship printing money in order to pay for their utopian dreams of green energy. I've said in the past that today's liberals have no principles, but that's not correct. They have one overarching principle, and that is for the Democrats to win at any cost. Why is it so important that they win? Well, remember, when I mentioned mass psychosis and brainwashing, many of today's liberals believe the other side is evil and a danger to our democracy, so it doesn't matter what you do to them. It's Hitlerian. This is why they cheerlead or remain mute when January 6 trespassers are held indefinitely. This is why they cheerleader remain mute when Trump's home is raided over executive privilege classified documents when Bill Clinton, George Bush, and Barack Obama all maintained similar troves of documents, despite all of that. I do encourage you to engage with friends and family who may fall into the today's liberal category, whether it's a Christian apologetics or public policy conversation. Always remember that you may never persuade the person you are directly talking to. But never forget that there are other people either listening or reading your back and forth. You never know how many people you may be able to influence. So keep your exchanges civil, fact-based, and feed your friend question after question in an effort to gently push them to justify their beliefs and always answer their questions directly. And that's the truth about conversations with today's liberals.